Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Maya Angelou said, You may encounter many defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter the defeats so you can know who you are, what you can rise from, how you can still come out of it. This is episode 28 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Kira Day. At just six years old, her home in Trinidad would burn down. And thinking back, the most embarrassing part of it was running from the house with no bottoms on. But the worst part of it all was that not only was her family's home gone, but their entire life savings along with it, as they were kept in the house. Then, her parents would decide to move her family to Canada and start from scratch. This would be one of the many times that adversity would present itself throughout her life. In school, she'd face bullying simply for being different, as kids couldn't understand this new white kid with her thick Trinidadian accent. What made it even harder was that her previous upbringing would teach her to respect others so she didn't have any idea how to defend herself. These events would lead to a sense of insecurity that would follow her well into her adult life and getting into the working world. Whether it be in dating men that would treat her poorly or not having the confidence to chase the career she truly wanted, it was always there showing up. Then, when she finally made it to a place in her life and career that she thought she was supposed to be, life would begin to show her that something still wasn't right. After facing some health issues and trying to cover it up in the name of work, it wasn't long before her intuition told her there was something more to life. Now, she's the founder of the Passion Center, helping people get reconnected to who they are at their core, honoring that, and teaching them how to bring it out into their work and the world in the form of passion ventures. Her goal is to create a world driven by passion and purpose and avoid continuing to run on the never-ending hamster wheel. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Kira Day. Hey, Kira, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm really excited to have you on today. This has been a long time coming. Um, Even when I I met you a couple years ago at an event that I was speaking at and then met for uh, lunch shortly after that and you told me your story, I was like, I wanted to write uh, an article about you when I made this an article series and then now it's a podcast and I'm like I said, I'm just excited to have you on, excited to get you to share your story with our listeners. Thank you so much, Brian. First of all, it's humbling to be here. I'm so happy you're doing this and yeah, we've, we, this has been a long time. <laughs> so thank you so much for having me on. Oh, definitely. Thank you for coming on. So the first question I ask every guest to get started is what is your definition of vulnerability? Ooh, um, I think my definition of, of vulnerability is just being open to explore the depths of yourself that you just normally aren't open to exploring, but then going a level deeper than that and sharing that um, with, with either someone that you trust or, well, a podcast <laughs> <laughs> which you know and it's funny that you bring that up right at the end because it's it's still amazing to me even though you know I think you're episode 25 like I said before we hopped on here it's still amazing to me 25 episodes in that people are just so willing to be so open with me and like some people like yourself who I've known for a few years I can understand but there's been people that I don't even know that were just referred to me 
and they got on here and they just spill their guts and I'm just like, how is this happening? Like, who am I and why is this happening? But I'm happy for it. So. I feel like we're in the vulnerable generation though, right? Like I, yeah. and I actually, I quite, I quite like it. I mean, I, I think that people are finished with the polished, like, you know, ad lib verbiage and we want, we want more realness. Right. And I think social media has been a huge, huge segue into this new era of of humans wanting to share and open up and connect no i couldn't i couldn't agree more and like i said i've seen it already so so what would you say would be your earliest memory of facing some sort of vulnerability or struggle in your life um i've had i've had many i've had i had a pretty diverse and adverse experience growing up um but i would (laughs) I would have to say my earliest memory was when I was six years old. And, um, <laughs> oh, this is an embarrassing story. I can't believe it. So <laughs> I was six years old and my, my grandmother had gotten sick the night before. And so my dad had to take a day off of work to take her to the hospital. So I had, um, I'd stayed home and my mom had, you know, um, stayed home as well with me. And I woke up pretty late. So I had, you know, I'm like the six-year-old kid going, getting up and, and going to the washroom. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, you know, just doing whatever a six-year-old would do in, in the bathroom, right? Like in the morning. And all of a sudden I had heard this crackling. And, I, and it sounded very familiar to my mom's sewing machine, right? Like the, that really big, loud, crackly noise. So I had gotten up and like I had only like a little nightgown on and I think like my trousers were off or whatever and I had gone in the room and it was actually a fire. So there was a fire that had broken out in my bedroom and it was a fire, um, a cord for the fan and it caught on fire with a clothes basket that was just standing in front of it and we had curtains in the back. So when I looked at it, it was just like a blaze. So I had screamed, obviously, and, and I got my mom and I had walked around with her in the house and trying to get everything out. And, and so she sent me outside, obviously. So I had gone outside and I was waiting outside and the whole fiasco happened and we had like fire ambulances come. And all of a sudden I was like the six-year-old child and I realized I only had like the top part of my nightgown on and it was the most embarrassing moment because all of these people were there, but at six, you're not really like calculating all of these things. Yeah. So I feel like that would have been, if anything, the, <laughs> the first time I think as a kid, you're equating to being in a very, uh, I would say vulnerable situation. So. No, I mean, well, let alone from the fact that you're standing there in front of all those people, and I can understand that that would be embarrassing. I can't imagine even just seeing a fire uh, of that, like the way you're explaining it, that extreme at that young of an age, that must have shook you up a bit too. It was one of the most, um, I think, foundational experiences to my life, I believe. You know, um, that led on to, so neglect that side of it, right? The, as, as a child, that led into uh, my parents needing to live with some of our friends and our families before they can get things back up and in, in, in order again. So we had lived in Trinidad at the time. And, uh, and in Trinidad at that time, it was a lot safer to keep your money at home than in a bank, right? So that fire literally took out 
everything for my family. And it was um, one of those moments where, and as a child, again, you're not computing all of these things, but looking back, it was my first sense of insecurity, right? Like not having a home to go to and seeing your parents in a, in a state of fear for the first time and, and just kind of like trying to build and, and reground yourself and all of that kind of stuff. And that catalyst into everything else, like that catalyst into us moving to Canada, um, again, in this, in this part of my life where my parents literally had to start from scratch and uh, seeing them have to rebuild and going through that level of adversity, that kicked it all off for us. That, that one moment was, was that defining moment where everything, everything changed and everything cascaded from there. So you spoke a bit there uh, briefly about like the insecurities of, you know, having to sort of start over of, you know, having to live with other people and sort of, you know, not have, I guess, your own space, your own things, all, all these different things that came with, with that experience. And so what would you say helped you like overcome it or get through it? I think for me, it was about family, um, definitely, and, and community support. So we did have thankfully a very supportive community and but in the letting go of that community and bridging ourselves here in Canada it actually started an entirely new um, line of adversity right because the so the family that we had come here who had supported us for a few months um, a few months after we had moved they had decided to move again um, quite outside so my parents had to scramble and, and get together this place and and I think at that point in my life it was it's interesting because I moved here when I was about seven I think around there and when you're really young you're making these rules with your world right and so culturally in Trinidad it's a very different climate than here so I had all of these social rules and, and family rules that by the time I came here, like they no longer applied. So it was literally having to relearn everything from scratch again and moving through that kind of turmoil and turbulence. I think it's just, I think it was just like having a little bit of community um, to really support us through and navigate us through. But then when that left, it was really just kind of relying on each other and your own kind of defenses in order to navigate that. You know, I, I don't know if that answers your question completely, but that's that's really kind of what helped us through some of those times. No, and 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 it does. I mean, I've heard quite a few people actually in in past interviews talk about community and family and how having the right people around you can make all the difference. So I completely understand. And I mean, even I've noticed that. I I, I firmly believe in the whole. You're the uh, some of the five people that you spend the most time with. I, I've seen it happen with me and with the group of people that I've decided to surround myself with you being one of them. Um, and so definitely, definitely understand where you're coming from there. So what new strength would you say you discovered in yourself particularly though, from going through this? I think for me, it was this, um, this idea that no matter what happens and no matter what life can throw at you, you can always rebuild. Right. So seeing my parents through that journey, have everything taken away from them and having to rebuild from scratch 
was I think very healthy for me. I think um, as parents and, and as people in general, we wanna protect the people that we love by closing them off from life's adversities. And I think that's a mistake. I think all of those adversities and seeing that in firsthand helped me redefine myself multiple times in my personal life and as well in my professional life. And I don't know if I don't know what I would have done had I not had that example already set because I feel that that gave me a, an airy kind of confidence that it doesn't matter how far you go down, you can equally jump back up and, and land on your feet again, right? Yeah, I know. And it sounds to me, the word I might think of using would be resilience. It sounds to me that that's something you definitely learned through this experience was that you have to be resilient. It, it, however hard it's going to get, like you just said, you can still get back to where you were. It's just a matter of whether you're willing to continue moving forward or not, or whether you let it keep you down. A hundred percent. That would be, that's bang on. <laughs> um, so this next question I've been trying to reformulate, so, so bear with me, but essentially I used to ask people how many times they say they would say they faced real struggle or vulnerability in their life. The problem is, is it's hard to um, compare because you're, you're thinking about your situation versus other people's and so on and so forth. So the way I'm trying to sort of uh, formulate it now is more so, you know, all the, the, the struggles, those that when you were younger, and, and hopefully you'll talk about some more as we continue here, but all the struggles and vulnerabilities that you've been through, what, what sort of toll would you say they've taken on you, whether it's emotionally, whatever way you want, want to look at it, just, just to get an idea, because the whole point here, I guess, is to sort of give people an understanding that, you know, whether you've, you've been you know, completely beat down by your struggles and vulnerability, or, or maybe it's just, a, you know, a small amount, and it's just something you had to overcome. I want people to be able to sort of relate when they hear your episode. So if you can give us an idea, that'd be awesome. Um, in terms of the toll, so some of the, some of the downsides of going through essentially, yeah, like what, what how, like, how would you say it's affected you, I guess? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it's, it's a very interesting question. I'm going to try to tap into that place for me because it, it's an evolution, right? Like I, I always say all the time, like people are processes. We're not final destinations. So it still takes a toll on me um, in many ways. And in other ways, it's, it's very healed and very healthy. And it's, it's, it's empowering in, in some other ways as well, right? So I think if I was to tap into some of the tools that took, um, when I was younger, coming into as a first generation, and I mean, like first generation stories can be very similar, right? It's it's not very unique. It's like you you come into this new place and and you've got to, you know, forget all of your other conditionings and adapt to these new types of conditions, which can be really hard. Um, I was this very small white kid with a very thick Canadian accent it did not do me any favors <laughs> on this on the school ground like I confronted my first you know bullying experience and I had many after that because in Trinidad you had this idea um, that you you know like it was respect it was respect for your elders it was respect for other people and, and that was ingrained in you so when I came here and all of a sudden you know like 
these people are making fun of me and they're teasing me and like all of these things. And for the life of me, I could not bring myself to pick up for myself because I felt like I would be hurting them, which was against this like social rule to pick up. And so it was horrible because there was really kind of like, you feel very lonely and isolated and you question yourself and it's, and you're questioning yourself about silly things. Like why, like, what is it about me? Like you're questioning you, right? So, so that was, that was very painful kind of moving through and, and, uh, and seeing, and seeing that, that lens of it. And that happened for many, many years. Right. Um, and then, so that kind of isolation, plus there was a lot of fighting in my home, right? Like adversity doesn't look good on anybody when you're going through it. So when my parents were rebuilding, my dad had to work nights and my mom worked during the day and I had a younger brother and then a younger sister. So, you know, at home it was unstable. And when I went to school, it was unstable. So there was a very long period of time where it was like, you know, who is this girl that's getting rejected everywhere? Like there must be something wrong with me, right? Um, so navigating that was definitely very challenging. And, you know, that, that later extended itself as a teenager and, you know, getting involved with men that just weren't great, right? But it was this, this, this search for love. And I think we all go through that where, you know, we, we want to just feel connected. And if everything else is, is like creating this disconnection for us, we'll gravitate to whatever is available to us, right? And um, just for that, that sense, it's such a deep human need. So, you know, I got involved with a guy that probably was not the best choice. Well, no, he definitely was not the best choice. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I got into the drug scene. I got into, it, it, it was a very toxic relationship. It was abusive. Um, and, you know, it, it, was, it was just the first, it was almost like the, the big ice, like the big icing on the cake, you know, like there's, there's this girl that's kind of reevaluating who she is, trying to understand that, trying to seek acceptance. And then all of, all of a sudden she gets accepted, but then only the payment to that is this like really toxic relationship that she knows she doesn't deserve on the inside, or at least I knew I didn't deserve on the inside, but for whatever reason, it was like, you move through it. Um, but that relationship showed me everything. I, I always say there was the Kira before that relationship and the Kira after that relationship. And, you know, the Kira after that relationship was a very powerful kind of Kira, right? Because I was able to go through my hero's journey in a very short amount of time and get to the understanding that I didn't deserve any of that and that I was doing it to myself in many ways. Um, because deeply I had this deep rooted belief system that, you know, I was, this, this was, this was going to be, you know, this was what I had needed at that time. Um, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that like in that moment, when you feel so low and you're attracting such a low energy, um, in whatever, whatever realm you feel as though that's, that's all you you can attract, right? It's a very low, low place. But then moving through that and recognizing your own value in that situation buds you and it connects you into a whole new elevation. And that's what happened for me. So after that, 
everything kind of changed. I started to look at my life very differently. I started to feel this like internal power of it doesn't matter who rejects me. Like I really, that's, that's not going to define me. These decisions aren't going to define me. I'm going to create these new definitions for myself. And that was my first kind of rebuild moment. But now it was a personal rebuild, right? Um, so having, again, the support of like my parents in that journey and, and really trying to reevaluate what life would look like if I, you know, if I, if I was this valuable person that now I said I was, right? So that kind of got me in the headspace of, okay, well, what can I do and how can I build? And I really focused and doubled down a lot on my career as that, uh, as that segue into defining my own personal power. So that was a very empowering time in my life, actually. Very happy I had that experience. No, and, and so what's interesting to me about that story, because uh, I've had other people talk in the past, on past episodes about, you know, abusive relationships and stuff that, that happened to them in their past. But the thing that I find interesting about your story is that how you were able to relate the things that were going on in your, your home life or your family life and how that sort of led into the relationship. Because I don't know that everybody would make that sort of uh, connection. I think a lot of people would just be like, well, it was just an experience. I picked the wrong guy and that's it. But you're able to sort of see how, you know, things that happened to you or things that were going on led you there. And then even when you were talking about energy, I mean, not everybody that listens to this is maybe going to be uh, the type of person that, that looks at energy in the universe and the way that you and I might talk about it. But I think it's also key what you said in terms of if your energy is low, you're only going to attract what energy the the same type of energy so it wasn't even necessarily you that was attracting that guy it was just what was going on in your life so again these are all things that to me are important because i there's numerous people i'm i would assume that may listen to this podcast or or you know whatever they may be in a similar situation and not thinking about it that way they're just thinking well this is my life it sucks and this is the way it's supposed to be or it's going to be and there's no way out and like you said there there definitely is but you just have to i guess reinvent and, and figure that thing sort of thing out that doesn't happen <clears throat> that doesn't happen like naturally right in that moment there's no way i was thinking about it the way that i think about it now and i've done a lot of work <laughs> like a lot of healing work this is my field so you know like you have to go through those really dark places and you have to find the patterns in those really dark places and the lessons in those really dark places if you're going to create the empowerment that comes from that right like i actually and I, I was talking to somebody just recently and I was saying that each moment that these dark times had happened, like they were my most inspirational times at the end, right? Because they led me to something brighter and shinier and new, newer. And so they were legitimately my blessing. And, and even though that sounds very cliche, it is, but you've got to lean into your darkness if you're going to get to the brightness. And hmm. to do that is to really go to that dark depth of the soul right and and a lot of people a lot of us we want to avoid that place because it's painful but um but it's the only way that you're going to really you know break through and and get to that other evolution of whatever you are right so I'm, I'm smirking over here and obviously uh, you know the video part of this podcast i don't know if i'm going to release but that's beyond the point the <laughs> reason i'm smirking is because 
of the fact that, you know, what you just said there is literally what I'm trying to achieve through this podcast. And so it, it's funny when people say things like that, cause I'm like, do I need to like change the definition of this podcast or like something? Because it's literally, like you said, it's, it's this podcast. The point of it is to show how your darkest moments, your biggest struggles, your most major vulnerabilities can actually be the thing that leads you to where you're supposed to be. I mean, I can't compare my struggles to yours, but I know that in the last two years, I've faced a lot more struggle than I have in the first 30 odd years of my life. And it's brought me a lot further in a short period of time than if I had just kept going on the trajectory that I was on of, you know, career to career to career and not, you know, like getting let go from my job and having to face the struggles that happened with that and, and, and then a bunch of other things that went on. But again, it's, it's like I said, I'm just, it, it, it makes me really happy when I can get somebody else to sort of put that point through because, you know, it's, it's sometimes not as clear. You know. Sorry. And I'm selling it for you, Brian. Don't worry yeah, well, about it. I appreciate it. <laughs> so just that, I mean, and out of curiosity, I, you know, you've shared quite a bit already, but is there any other stories that, that you can share? Um, same sort of idea, you know, that, you know, where you face the moment of vulnerability or struggle and it's what sort of pushed you forward. Well, I think my most recent story um, was was just this this transition that happened two years ago when we first met, right? Um, so, you know, like you know my story. Like I have um, I have a company called the Passion Center, and the Passion Center is all about helping people identify that dream in their heart and activating it out into society in some form of service, right? Um, and it's it's a it's an inner work module because the one thing that from my own story um, <clears throat> that's highlighted is you don't get to, you know, all of a sudden show up at your purpose, right? That takes, that is a process and that is a journey. And, uh, and see, the only catalyst that that could have happened was, 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 or the only way that this could have happened or my life, the way that it is right now could have happened was from some significant struggles um, in my corporate career. So like I said before, like what, um, what helped me in my life and what empowered me in life was always my career. And so I doubled down on it. And I, um, and I just kind of went from the bottom, like up to as, to as far as, 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 um, as I guess I, I wanted to go. Right. And so, <clears throat> so in that trajectory, I just saw a lot of cultures or I was exposed to many cultures that just were not great cultures right? Like they had missed the boat when it came to understanding how people operated and what motivated and inspired people. And it was, um, it was, it was pretty un uninspiring. But when I think what, what finally, or when it finally dawned on me that things needed to change was as I was, you know, um, moving my way up, I was, I was a, a national sales manager for um, a global top 15 company and, um, or a fortune, uh, top 15 company. And, you know, in that experience, it was really about work, work, work. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm not averse to work. I love it. I think I was addicted to it. So, <laughs> so, and, and the, the corporate culture loves that, right? Like they, like you have no boundaries. What? Oh, okay. You want to work until whenever? Awesome. Cool we'll get promoted for that shit. Right. And like, and keep promoting. And, and so, and so that was me. I was, I was that girl that would be sending out decks at 4am in the morning and waking up at like eight for a meeting at nine. And so, you know, I didn't really have a lot of respect. So again, interestingly enough, this was, this was that story, right? Like 
like if, when you really think about self-value, um, no one in their right mind who has an, an inkling about self-value would do that to their bodies and like not eat and, and like just work all the time. Like work became my identity. It became my value and it became what, what my image to the world was, right? Like here, I'm valuable because look at me and look what I'm doing, look at what I'm doing and look at where, where, where I am. Um, but that's not really self-value. Self-value is honoring your boundaries and honoring your principles and really kind of understanding what your values are and living by them. And I don't think I understood any of that. My only value was, you know, um, what's my next title and, you know, how much more can I, can I do and, and can I make? Um, that eventually had an end date because my body crashed and I, um, I ended up getting really sick. And the first time I got sick, it lasted for six months. The doctors didn't know what was going on. And um, I didn't know. And it was one of my most scariest times of my life because I was like, what do you mean your body can just break and no one knows what this is? I'm like, that's not, that's not a real thing. <laughs> right? so, so like I'm going around with these like heart mon monitors and, and like it was really extensive uh, testing that was being done. And, and um, anyway, um, that that was my first kind of struggle with 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 this body um <laughs> breaking down and and with me still wanting to achieve the things that i was achieving right so i came to this tension point of you know i want to achieve why isn't my body working with me yeah, what I want to achieve, right? So it was at first like this like real like anger at what was happening and like really trying to beat it up because I was like, you need to get better because this needs to happen, right? Like my priorities were just all out of whack. Um, and then I started to, to get my first bit of like depression because I wasn't sleeping um, for like six months. I think I was functioning on like two or three hours of sleep. It ridiculous and I wasn't able to digest anything so I wasn't eating properly all of this impacts mental health and and your ability to effectively do anything and I was still working I never took any time off right so it was um it was really really challenging and then eventually I felt enough pain that I was like okay well if if like this traditional medical world isn't coming to any answers, I got to start looking outside of this. And that's really what catalyst my desire to want to search and find other types of, of, um, of practices. That could help me. And I found it in a naturopath. So get this, six months I'm sick. Doctors can't find anything wrong with me. I go to my naturopath four times in his office and I'm 95% better. This is a placebo effect. These are results. Right. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, there's something here. But at that time I still wasn't ready. I just, I healed up. I said bye-bye to my naturopath and I headed back off to the factory of like growing whatever it was I was trying to grow. And, uh, and so <laughs> needless to say, two years later, my sickness came back. And at that point I was at the highlight of my career. Like it was a moment where I was bringing in the biggest deal in the company's history. And I was going through these like massive um, meetings and, and, and uh, with, with stakeholders and different things. And all of a sudden, my body just said, bleh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, so I started to notice the symptoms again. And I got really scared because 
at this point in, in the game, I had a lot of stakes. And, um, and I was still, and at that point, I was also questioning a lot of things, right? I started to understand maybe I did have values that weren't being honored. Maybe I did have boundaries that weren't being honored. And, and these deeper kind of existential questions of why am I doing this? You know, I, I remember being in a boardroom once and, <laughs> and they were like, all of these people around and it was it was a very tense meeting right like with some yelling going on and whatever and it was almost like this outer body experience where i looked around the room and i'm like what am i doing here like this we're not saving the fucking planet we're not, we're not doing any of this solving like mechanical things i'm like why and so anyways it was just this one moment of like whoa right and um so I think it was just the perfect storm. It was, that started to happen. Things started to bubble to the surface in terms of what, what was I really doing and, and why was I doing it and questioning those things at a deeper level. And then all of a sudden now getting sick again. Um, so I went actually even further this time than I did the last time. So every single time I've gotten sick, here's the blessing. I've gotten deeper into doing some soul work and deeper into doing some, some psyche work and, and understanding those things that I didn't want to look at before because I was so consumed with, with, the, with the external stuff, right? Um, and that was my catalyst for me. So I started to do some deeper investigation. I spent about a year and a half just exploring all of these different modalities. I spent honestly like $35,000 trying to get myself better again. And, um, and I finally did, but this time I decided to make some real action. And so in those lessons and in those learnings, um, the first emotion that came to me was one of anger. I was angry at myself because I didn't, um, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I was angry that these were just basic things that I could have done to prevent um, certain things from happening. So we found out later they were related to autoimmune and there were about two diagnoses that came out from that and one is still not diagnosed. So it was really scary. And, um, but this time it was like, I, I did a 360. I was just, I was just like, you know what, this world isn't going to work for me. Like I've got to think about what I want from the world, what I want for myself and, and these environments, um, you know, this whole idea of toughing it, toughening it out and, you know, working till whatever. And, you know, it's, it's just such a backwards kind of flawed mentality. You don't get to progress by, you know, uh, being busy, right? You get to progress by understanding the right things to do and doing it and having boundaries and respecting the people around you and their boundaries and creating a culture of, of, of optimal health so that you can support optimal performance. And I wasn't functioning from a place of optimal health or optimal performance. So I really went into this like hyper obsessive um, mode of wanting to understand everything. I was like, what is optimal? What does that even mean? You know, what is passion? What does that even mean? And like, I wanted to, I just geeked out, completely geeked out. And in that geeking out, I found so much joy and satisfaction and pleasure and passion like in the real way uh that i was like there came a point where 
you know, the, the weight and the pain of staying somewhere that was, that was just not aligned to what I was now feeling, it, it was just not even an option for me. It, it just, I needed to, to make that move. So I disrupted myself again, rebuilt um, again, this, uh, this, this idea called, you know, what, what is now the Passion Center. And it's really to help other explore what is optimal personally for them so that they can get more of that in their life, right? So it's, it's, um, it's been a very interesting journey and, you know, I, it's, it's, it's not over for me. I just finished doing a retreat in Tuscany and I haven't shared this with you, but when I came back, I got sick again. <laughs> and, um, but, so I've been on the down low for like a couple of months now reorganizing, but what's great about it is that it did not last six months. It lasted maybe a month. I was able to, with everything I had learned from myself before, I was able to regain everything just with a diet change, right? Legitimately. And catch myself in the process of, so now I'm still working. You know, I'm always going to be a little bit of an addiction to worker, but, um, and this time it, it just feels so much better because I'm aligned. Um, it's just, I've got to, I've got to be very conscious, right? And sometimes we fall into these episodes where we become unconscious and we let these things dominate our time and dominate our lives because it's what's in front of us, right? And, and so we adapt to that. But I think what I'm learning in this phase of my journey is that, you know, there are, someone told me this, actually, I can't take credit for this, but there are A things and there is the thing, right? And the thing are things like your health, your well-being, your family, the people that love you. A things are the things that you're doing in society. So whatever that could be, that could be the project that you're on, the mission, that can be you know, your stuff, that could be the things that you want to achieve. But those are A things. And you should never confuse A thing with E thing. And I think I did that again. So it's just kind of the universe reminding me, hey, Kira, you know, if you want to like, do anything big in this world, you're going to have to get this part figured out. And, uh, and just take some time to figure that out. And when you need to press break and press pause, do it. And I think I'm just, I'm learning, right? So again, humans, we're, we're not finished products and I'm not a finished product. I'm just a process. And it's just about taking all of these experiences, making them make sense, but then not leaving it at that. It's about embracing them and doing something with them and then sharing them with someone else. And I think that's what we're for, our purpose was our pain at some point, I think. And it's just always about finding the patterns, switching, adjusting, and learning and building and you know, empowering yourself to know that you have more control than you think you do and just moving out there and to your message, just starting whatever that well, Honest to God, like, I hope people that were listening to this, I know a few people that I've talked to that listen to my podcast, they take notes and I hope they were listening to that because there was a ton there that, that you can take away from it. You know, one of the first things for me is tying your identity to things. I know that feeling all too well because for years I was Brian the salesman and that's all I was ever going to be was a salesman. And you know, my wife even asked me at one point, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I'm going to be in sales. And she's like, for who? Selling what? I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to be in sales. And so my identity was literally just to be a salesman. It didn't matter who I worked for or anything like that. So completely understand and, and relate there. You know, the second thing is, you know, when you talked about um, the fact that you know, we, we don't listen enough to our bodies and what's going on. And like the fact that now you were able to 
listen to your body, catch it quicker, learn from the past and, and put that what you've learned into action is incredible because you could have obviously just sort of spiraled down the same path or the same direction that you had in the past. And this time you're able to, like you said, instead of six months, it was one month. Right. And that's an incredible thing to, to be able to do because again, most of us don't listen until it's too late. And I've seen that happen around me a ton with family and, and friends and everything. So I couldn't agree more. And then the last thing is in terms of you talking about, you know, your values and your priorities, uh, two things that have changed my life entirely in like the last maybe not even year maybe like six to eight months was having better priorities I, I literally about every six months or so I sit down and I write down three key priorities for my life and that's just overall like they're not you know to, for the day for the week for the month it's just overall I, and I look at them and if some of the priorities of the three that I've come up with uh, if one of them I feel like I've taken care of to a, a good enough point I wipe it out and I replace it with something else or maybe I replace all three, whatever it is, but prioritization is key. And then, like you said, when it comes to knowing your values, I mean, I lost my values, you know, last year I went from, you know, my value being, I want to help people and I want to, you know, that's my why. And I want to see, you know, how my story can help others and what I can do to help others. And then towards the end of 2018, it got more to the point of like, okay, well, how do I make money doing this? And I, and I didn't realize until probably, maybe four or five months into 2019 that the reason that I was feeling so off and the reason that things didn't seem to be going the way that I wanted them to was the fact that I hadn't been focused on my value or my why of helping people. I had been focused more on how do I monetize? Um, and, and I understand that we all need to monetize and we all need to make money, but that can't be the core value because if it is, you're, you're just never going to really get to where you want to go, at least in, in my opinion. So, yeah. So, so so how would you say that everything you've been through from you know you know the fire to you know coming to Canada and going through the bullying to the bad relationships to realizing that you know your corporate career wasn't the 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 thing you were meant to do how how would you say that everything that's happened has helped you get to where you are right now um huh. I think that the only reason that I'm where I am right now is because of all of that. Like it's, it's weird, right? Like hindsight's 2020. <laughs> well, you never know it when you're going through it. Um, you know, you think your life sucks and like you want out later. Like I never signed up for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then when you, when you keep climbing that seemingly forever mountain, um, you, you, you get sparks and you get nuggets along the way that causes you to think deeper, feel deeper, deeper, want deeper, um, and explore conversations at a much, much deeper level than surface, right? And I think going through all of that <clears throat> has been my biggest life blessing. And, you know, we live in a world where in North America of all places where we have comforts galore and we want to protect and we say things like stranger danger and, like, and you know we just want to be like in this padded room of like of just you know our electronics and and our and keep keeping everything safe but that's the actual danger right 
like, so that's the irony in the whole thing. I, I used to be of the mind that, you know, I wanted world peace and everyone just needs to be happy and, and like, and I really wanted that. But I'm, I'm, I think so differently now. It's like night and day. Now I'm like, no, what the world needs is more fucking pain. <laughs> more pain you have, you're going to think deeper and you're going to go through your journey in a much more meaningful way. And you're going to strive and get that hunger again. And that's what we need. We need to feel adversity. It's like, I used to talk about microdosing change. Now I'm like, microdose the shit out of adversity because that's what's gonna build a more resilient population and a population that cares more and that feels more and that just finds life a lot more meaningful, right? No, I, I, the the part that I was I I wanted to sort of pull out of that and and I, that you were you were saying there and that I couldn't agree with more is that where a lot of us are stuck in our comfort zone, and I realized you know whatever it was two and a half years ago when I got let go from my job and after the first you know few months of you know feeling sorry for myself and everything that the problem was I had been stuck in a comfort zone for so long. Like my comfort zone was being a salesman. It was what I knew how to do. And, and I didn't want to explore any other skills or anything. Did I think two and a half years ago, I'd be sitting here having a podcast interviewing people? <laughs> no way in hell. You know, did I have the skills to do it? Sure. I talked to people all the time. I was in sales, but you know, it's just that thing of, you know, all I wanted to do or all I thought I could do was sales. And it's because I had stuck myself into that comfort zone of a salary and commission and so on and so forth. And it, it wasn't until I stepped outside of it that I was like, oh, wait, there's more. And then I stepped a little further and I was like, oh, there's more. And you step and you keep going until now. Now I don't even know where my comfort zone is. I don't even feel like I have one anymore. So completely, uh, completely, agree. <laughs> completely agree with what you said. So at this point in time, at this point in your life, would you say that you found success and fulfillment or would you say that you're still on your journey towards that? I think <laughs> this is such a trick question for me. <laughs> I've had to redefine and understand, relearn what my relationship with success was, right? So before it was about you know, what society thinks it is, which is you, know, you have your money, you have your nice car, you have a house, you you're living well, you know, you can afford nice vacations or things. Um, but I think this is a collective thing. I don't think this is just me. I think collectively, I'm seeing more and more people understand that it's not about things, it's about experience, right? It's about experiences, meaningful ones. And, and I think that's where, that's where I'm at right now. You know, like I, if, if I were to redefine or, or, or kind of communicate or articulate what my relationship with success is for me now. Success for me is about alignment, being able to be fully expressed, being able to feel empowered to take complete control of my life, my destiny, where I wanna go and how I wanna go and where I wanna go and how I wanna do it and who I wanna do it with, right? So, and I have that right now. Um, will it last forever? I have no idea. But I've given up this idea that I need to plan every moment of my life. I've given up this idea that I need to forecast. I've given up all of these ideas that I've learned. I've literally had to throw away and start from scratch. And, um, but it's, it's a beautiful experience because I get to build whoever the next version of Kira looks like and whoever she is. And that's a pretty empowering, real experience. So, you know, I think alignment and expression 
are the, the, the top two values of mine right now. And yes, we need to make money. And yes, the monetary thing's still there for me. A hundred percent it is. But that's not the main driver. I know that that's just going to come as, as a consequence of me living in, in my rhythm. And for the first time in my entire life, I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about where I'm going and how I'm doing it. Like I'm just really doing this for, for me and, and for what I think the world should look like. And I'm okay with saying that, right? Just like I feel like it's okay that, and I, and I think and feel this, that everyone should be on the same page, right? It's just, that's what makes life beautiful. We're kings and queens of our own creations and we get to explore that to, to, to all depths, especially in this country. So, um, <laughs> advantage of that. <laughs> no. And, and, you know, for me, like what, what I think about when you said about life being about experiences recently, the one thing that I've been saying to a lot of people is that when you're at, when you're on your deathbed, essentially, when you're about, when you're dying, essentially, I can almost guarantee and, and this is just from reading that I've done and things that I've listened to, watched, podcasts, whatever it is. I can almost guarantee that the vast majority of us are not going to be laying in our deathbed thinking about, I should have worked harder. I should have made more money. I should have bought more things, had a bigger house, nicer car, yada, yada, yada. What we're going to most likely be thinking is I should have spent more time with family, more time with people I love and experiencing as much as I could in life. And so for me, it's been a huge driver for everything I do moving forward in life. And, and it's not, and like I said, this is something I'm saying to people like my parents who are definitely much older and have lived, you know, quite a good life at this point, but it's still, I don't think understand that. I mean, my dad and I were having a conversation one day about, you know, him retiring and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I was saying to him, you know, you can always make more money, but you can never make more time. And he goes, well, it's easy for you to say you're only in your thirties. And I said, dad, I go, age is nothing. I go, I don't know if I'm going to be here longer than you are or longer than mom is or anybody. I could be here today and gone tomorrow or next week. I go, so, you know, yeah, sure. Maybe I do have another 40 or 50 years, uh, you know, to, to experience more or whatever. But at the end of the day, I don't know that guaranteed. Right. So I, I couldn't agree with that point more. And, and I hope that more of us will realize before it's too late, obviously, that, you know, it's more about the experiences than it is about the things. Or like you said, it's more about the things than a things. So um, I really like that point, actually. <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> yeah, no, it didn't come from me. It definitely came from someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it's, it's good that it's getting out there. So, so I'm down to my last um, couple of questions. Well, one's a question. The other one's sort of just more of an opportunity for you to, to talk to the audience. But so the last question I like to ask people, it's basically to allow people to come away from this with some actionable things that they can do in their life. Um, if they were to listen back, like I said, and they take notes and everything, I'm sure there's a ton that they can take away from this to, to help them move forward. But if you could give people three key takeaways from your life, your journey that they can use in their own to, to start moving forward, what would those three key takeaways be? You know, this, this is hard because everyone comes with such a, a, a diverse set of, of packages and situations and circumstances and things like that. It's, it's so hard to paint it all and say, here's your top three, because I think you figure it out by virtue of going through shit. Um, but I guess my top three would be like, if you think you're going through stuff right now, try to go through more stuff. <laughs> um, that's number one, like get yourself going through more stuff because exposure is the key ingredient to really understanding 
you. Um, the second thing is that Greek algorithm or al algorithm, that Greek algorithm, which is like know thyself, huge, right? Um, I think we all think we know something about who we are and our situations and what we do. We don't. And, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, they, they that whole field, that whole industry, neuroscience tells us, tells it to us all the time. Um, I think we live in a culture where we know more about our things than we know about ourselves, and that's where we're going wrong. We've got to, like, find every avenue possible to learn more about who we are, and I'm not just talking about your value systems and your belief systems and all of that kind of stuff, but, like, your inner architecture. Like, we are we are living machines that, that have these beautiful creations that, that go on inside of us without, without us thinking consciously about it. Tap into that because and, and become more connected with what that's trying to tell you because there's a sophistication and a language there that we're so tuned out of like because our world is so distracted um so so try to figure out what that is i think that will help empower you in, through anything that life has to throw at you and number three don't be a victim right like like if, if you think that the world is out to get you or if you think that certain situations are keep keep beating you down and I know it's hard to think of that in the moment when you're feeling all of those emotions but the best thing you can do for yourself is take back control and empower yourself forward and get into action whatever that is that action will heal everything is get into action inaction is is the thing that will keep you in that suffering space so I think those would be my top three. No, awesome. And they're a good three. I mean, like the last one I, I sort of ties in with what we were joking around with before we get on and even during this episode about my whole, you know, me being the just start guy, which I mean, it's, it's hilarious. Uh, you know, I won't get into it too much, but multiple podcasts, it's been brought up and I still don't understand how it got so attached to my name because I, A, I wasn't even the person that started it and B, I haven't even talked about it for like probably a year or so, but yet it's people still related with me, which maybe is a sign, but uh, you know, sort of similar to your last point there is it's a matter of getting started, uh, you know, whichever way it is, the, the second that you get started, the second that you take action, like you're saying, is when you realize it's not as hard as you think it is and that you can actually do more than you may think you're capable of. So, so again, solid, solid three. So again, the last part here is, is really just an opportunity. I mean, you're, you're the guest and I want to give all my guests an opportunity to promote themselves, what they're up to and, and get the word out there. Talk, you know, let us know where they're on social and everything like that. So uh, yeah, if you want to go ahead and promote yourself, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Thank you, Brian. So, um, so like I'd mentioned or alluded to in, in our, in our talk, my full mission is the passion center right now. And, and the passion center is really, all about exactly what I was saying, understanding your inner architecture, understanding what you personally find meaningful and optimal in, you, in your life, and then building infrastructures around that to help you express more of that. Um, I think that that's a gap in our system right now, and that's the one that I wanna fill. So to coincide with that, I've created programs. So there's a program called My Passion Masterclass, and that's all about understanding everything there is to know about your inner architecture and how that and how that lines up with feeling more passion in your life, whether it's in what you do or your relationships or whatever, like that's an optimal state. And you don't get to optimal states by focusing on the optimal state. You focus on what causes the conditions for getting to the optimal state. So that's kind of what we really teach in great depth. And I bring in neuro coaches and different doctors to come in to talk or at different experts to come in to talk about um, 
very, very interesting key things about you. So it's a very self-focused program. Uh, so that starts up in January again. I just finished my last one for the year. Um, and I am actually digitizing a couple of assessments and tools right now to get to the market. Um, and I'm really excited about it. One is called the Passion Health Test, which gets you to look at your conditions by asking very specific questions to see what your passion profile is and where it's weak and where it can improve and how to get better. Or if it's fully nourished and you're completely aligned. So that, that, that product is free. Um, and you can find it on my website at www.thepassioncenter.com. Center is spelled with an R-E, not an E-R. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then my final one is something that I'm very proud of. It's, uh, it's a tool called the Compass 4 system. And this system allows people to identify exactly what their gifts are. So it, it takes about three hours to do. It's, uh, it's very intensive. It goes through a series of different assessments. And then those assessments garner patterns within your nature that are hidden from our view it's 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 stuff that lays at a very low level of our conscious awareness and that's what makes it really hard for a lot of us to know really what what uh what we can do in this world to up our game or to value to the world around us so so this kind of helps us to hone in that's being digitized right now and that's expected to come out in 2020 so i'm really really excited to be sharing that and then lastly two things actually <laughs> um semi lastly i do or i run a program called passion nights and that happens at the last thursday of every month it's a meetup you can find it at passion nights etobicoke um i run it all around the city though it's all over toronto our last one's going to be this thursday night and then i restarted in january so if you ever want to find a group of people that are going after their dreams, thinking about going after their dreams, or thinking about thinking about going after their dreams, um, and then get people to come in to have these ridiculously awesome conversations. We have speakers like hypnotherapists that's come in. I've brought in a channeler at one time, um, the science of intuition. Uh, there's a guy that's really into that. He's come in. We've spoken about different types of states um, and value systems that we all have internally. And, and it's just a really cool group of people. Uh, there's about 25 to 30 that come now every month. So we're, we're there and we're growing. We just launched in New York three months ago as well. So it's a, it's a movement that's, that's taking on and I'm really proud of. And then lastly is Vacation with Purpose, which is basically a vacation um, where we identify your purpose. And uh, we had it in Tuscany, Italy last year. This year it's also gonna be in Tuscany, Italy and we're thinking of another location um, either in Costa Rica or Hawaii, where we're still finalizing that, but there's going to be two that we're doing for next year. And we're bringing on a doctor in genetics, in, in genetics and we're going to be doing like a genetic profile and, and really to understand your inner architecture and how you can individually live to optimize all of the juice that you want in your life um, in terms of vitality. And it also has a program where it can reduce disease as well as, um, as well as aging. So it's, uh, again, I'm meeting a lot of beautiful people on my path and it's just this, this ecosystem of, of bringing everyone together to, to what I would hope to become, you know, the world's first self-focused school, right? So it's really about identifying who you are and learning about all of that and launching you in society as a product. That's it. 
Oh, awesome. And just lastly, because I, I like to make sure that um, people can find you easily at your website you gave us there. Where would you say is the best place to follow you on social? I'll, I'll definitely put the tags in the uh, show notes, but what would you say would be the best place to? I'm sucking at social right now, but <laughs> <laughs> my one, and then um, you can follow me. I've got the Passion Center on Instagram and I've got the Passion Center on Facebook as well. Um, and feel free to, to follow me um, and my own personal profile too. I, I, I like to update update at a semi-regular basis. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's all good. We're Nobody's perfect and, and we're all trying here. We're all learning and I, I'm the same way. I mean, most of my posts right now are all about this podcast and I definitely need to put more out aside from that. But like I said, we're all learning and, and everything takes time, right? But I just want to make sure that people can find you and find you in the right, in the right spot. So definitely, um, you know, just to, to finish off here quickly, one thing I want to say is, you know, I, I'm very lucky to have you as a friend and I will say that in the few phone calls that we've had or coffee meetups or whatever the advice you've given me has been extremely helpful so i would say to anybody that listens to this that is going through some sort of you know transition in their life trying to figure out what's next or what they're passionate about definitely get in touch with kira even if you just get a quick phone call and then you sign up for one of her programs i can tell you whatever she's doing can definitely help you because like i said I, i've gotten a ton of help and just from brief touches of, of what she's doing and not actually being in the program, which hopefully one day I'll, I'll be part of and even passion nights. I mean, I definitely want to make it out at some point, but uh, definitely you're, you're the person to speak to in this area. So if, if you're thinking about it, if you need help in that area, reach out to Kira. Uh, and then lastly, I, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, just thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing so openly. Um, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm very happy that I have a friendship with you and, and that we were able to meet a couple of years ago and, and that uh, you're doing something that you love because it just inspires me and I'm sure a lot of other people to realize that no matter where you were in life or what you thought was where you're supposed to be, you can get somewhere else and you can make any part of your life a success as long as you're willing to sort of push for it and be resilient. And, and so, yeah, again, just thank you for coming on and thank you for, for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me on, Brian. What you're doing is amazing, and I'm so happy and inspired by you. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you. It's a real honor. Awesome. Well, take care and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. And follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.